in the morning when you need the news that matters most. We have a constitutional right to publish this story. We are the fourth estate and we will hold the powerful accountable. You need the front page. Wait, what's the fourth estate? Us, the press. And everyone knows that? On the press box. Because I feel like people always say the fourth estate, but they don't actually know what it means. I think everybody knows what it means. I thought the fourth estate was time. That's the fourth dimension. I thought the fourth estate was Georgia. With Graney and Bischoff. No, not state, a state. You thought I was saying we're the state of Georgia? DeAndre Hopkins has been suspended six games for violating the NFL's performance-enhancing drug policy. Hopkins tweeted out yesterday, I was confused and shocked. I'm very mindful of what I put in my body and have always taken a holistic approach. So I'm working with my team to investigate how this yeah, could have okay. happened. <laughs> It was the it was the muffin from Costco. Oh, are we gonna get everybody goes? What is it? The lemon poppy seed muffin? Yeah, yeah. the poppy seed. The poppy seed. <laughs> yes. Uh, so yeah, the DeAndre Hopkins performance enhancing. Did drug. you see the drugs that they said was in his system? One was an animal drug. Wasn't that a joke? I I the don't beaver know. tranquilizer. I don't know. I think it's a joke. Okay, I I never put anything past guys who are who juicing. I'm serious. I the, you're probably right. But you read the list and you're like, I, like when I read that list, I'm like, eh. I mean, I, yeah, you're probably right. It's a joke. But again, guys put a lot of crazy stuff in their systems. I mean, famously, the first person to ever try or like to ever advertise performance enhancing drugs literally was like swore by the power of powdered monkey testicles. <laughs> probably helps. He's in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Why not? So DeAndre Hopkins suspended the Cardinals, by the way. They traded for Hollywood Brown uh, during the NFL draft and gave up a first-round pick to get him. Um, but their wide receiver group doesn't look all that great at the moment. I mean, Hopkins will be back eventually, but they lost the great Christian Kirk to Jacksonville. <laughs> the guy who started it all. Yeah. So those first six, normally the last couple of years, Kyler Murray and the Cardinals have been really good to start and then fade off in the second half. I wonder if they're going to be very good to start next year because who's Kyler yeah. Murray throwing the ball to? Himself? That would be get, fun. He can get more mad at stuff now. Oh, now he's Kyler Murray furious. Can be what if he was mad stuff. at this the whole time? Yeah, because he knew DeAndre Hopkins was taking beaver, what, what was right. tranquilizers. Uh, beaver tranquilizer. Beaver tranquilizer. Like, yeah. man, don't take those. I need some good receivers. I mean, maybe he, he wanted some and DeAndre Hopkins <laughs> wouldn't share with him. And then he wanted to be traded. Yeah. And then he's like, all Not right, a trade good me away. Trade me away to somebody that'll give me the beaver tranquilizer. This drops him down to like, what, a second round pick in fantasy? Because you know he's going to be coming back strong because at least he was on some PEDs. Yeah, he might be bad now. It's true. What oh. if his whole career is PED enhanced and oh. now he's just Christian Kirk? <laughs> well, then he'd well, get a lot of a money. He's a first round pick based on the money. Someone's going to give him a lot of money. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to make a spot in this league and especially for rookies right kids that have not really established themselves um, we need to expand <laughs> first and foremost but bottom line is you still have to it's great to get drafted but you still have got to make the roster um, and it is very very hard that was aces gm natalie williams yesterday the aces waived maya hollingshed and kayla pointer those were the 8th and 13th overall picks in the 2022 
WNBA draft. Yes, the one that happened less than 30 days ago. The Aces traded next year's first and second round pick to get number eight and number 13. They traded away basically all of their draft assets for next season to get eight and 13 in this draft and then waived the players they took. Boy, this team better win the title. They better win the title. And I, I listened to that cut right there. It's rookies, you know, it takes time. Well, yeah, because they're rookies. Like, they have to show they make the... It's been a month. You got to be good right now. I mean, I guess you got to be good when... You, you got to be yeah. great when you walk through the door. It is. And the, the WNBA, it is a lot different from the rest of the leagues in the United States because there are 12 teams and it is... Very, there's not very many roster spots, right? Right, right. It's 12 teams with roughly 12 roster spots. So there's not a lot of players that actually make it on a WNBA roster. Players get waived all the time. They get drafted in the second round and even in the first round. This is not like a new thing where a first round pick gets waived. But to trade next year's picks to get both of these draft and picks then wave both and then wave even in the WNBA is about as bad of asset management as you can have. Right. I mean, that's all that's that's as bad as it gets, because imagine the scenario. The aces should be good this year. But imagine the scenario where they're not very good this year and they have a fairly high pick next season. They don't have They it, don't have that pick. Right? Because they traded away to waive the player they took. So it, that is as bad of asset management as you can have, even if it's a league that's hard to make a roster and first-round picks get waived on a fu- somewhat regular basis. That's pretty brutal asset management. Need to win it. Man, you know, that's a great question. The Maple Leafs beat the Lightning 5 nothing. You're up 1-0 on our on our uh, our hot takes. Our hot takes. Austin Matthews scored twice. My real hot. Do you remember my hot take about not paying goalies? Uh I guess you're not going to pay Andre Vasilevsky. Should have never paid that guy. What a bum. Never worked out for him. What's he done for him lately? Lately I'm not sure. He won two cups nothing in the last lately. two years. <laughs> nothing. I don't care about the COVID shortened seasons. <laughs> Win a real cup Andre Vasilevsky. Uh, yeah, the Maple Leafs, they might do this. They might advance past the first round and then lose then, and it'll still be funny, but they might get past the first round. It'll be fun. Oh, man, their fan base. If they'd actually win a series, that fan base is absolutely crazy. If they won a first-round series. I kind of want them to be in the Stanley and Cup. And eliminate. Can you imagine that fan base if they're in the Stanley Cup final? It'd oh, be fun. be great. Especially if they didn't lose the Stanley Cup final. I think that's maximum fun. If they won it all? Ooh. No, no, no. They get there but lose. Oh. That's maximum fun. Lose in four or get oh, no, like, like three well, one series lead and then just like don't score a goal for three. Oh, yeah. Right. What did That's, Sutter say? If they play Colorado, that'll just waste be a waste of eight of days. Eight days. <sighs> I'm out. The Blues beat the Wild four nothing yesterday. Wilder? Oh, what happened? Mark Andre Fleury got the start and goal. He allowed four goals. St. Louis expected goals was 3.3. So it's not like Fleury gave up a ton of goals he shouldn't have. Uh, But the interesting part in Minnesota is they have Cam Talbot. They traded for Marc-Andre Fleury at the deadline. Cam Talbot this year, 9-11 save percentage plus six goals saved above average. He wasn't like a top 10 goalie, but Cam Talbot was was a good goaltender this year. And Minnesota decided decided to start Marc-Andre Fleury in game one instead and I, I, maybe it's too simplistic, but I got to imagine they're going to Cam Talbot in game two. I would think they are. Maybe they can stop David Perron. Maybe they need to put Flurry on the wing so they can <laughs> score a goal. Is is this a Marc-Andre Flurry problem where his teams just stop scoring in the postseason? 
I don't know if it's his problem. But it, does he somehow it cause happens, it? It's it happened, happened like like four years now. Two two originals. David Perron with the hat trick. Yeah, David Perron with the hat trick. The hat trick. Yeah. That's, tough yeah, that's not good. That's tough. The, the, the X, would, who would win right now? The current Golden Knights or all the X Golden Knights that are still in the NHL? Oh, still in the NHL. Got to bring back Lindbergh. He counts. He's in like the KHL. He can play on the fourth line. It's, it's like the that. current Golden Knights with everyone like battling injuries and bad backs, and and Logan Thompson's the goalie, and it's the last team we saw play St. Louis. Yes. Alex Tuck. They the scored great, seven against St. Louis. The great Cody Eakin. David Perron. <laughs> the great Cody Eakin. Top great, ten. Top Nate ten. Goals. Schmidt's out there. Nick Nate Suzuki's out there. Out there. Um, Vadim Shipashov's coming back from Russia. I don't think Nikita Gusev ever did I would anything. say... Does James Neal still play? Is he still on an NHL no, team? I don't no? think he is. Okay. I would say the Golden Knights. Okay. I'd say the Golden Knights. But it's closer than you might think. It's much closer <laughs> than you think. It's much closer. It's it, Put it this way. It's much closer than it should be. <laughs> not, not that you think that it should be. It's much closer than it should be. That's crafty wording right there. I give you credit. <laughs> we forgot about Tomas Tatar. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Ryan Reeves is going to intimidate them all over the ice. It's going to be a great series. Okay, Ky- you just added those two. I'll take the other guys. <laughs> Kyron Lindsay committed to Georgia. He was top 100 recruit that was signed to come to UNLV. But when Carlin Hartman left UNLV for Florida, Kyron Lindsay ultimately ended up uh, getting out of his commitment to UNLV. And he is now going to Georgia. Um, he was top 100 recruit. He had power five offers before he, before he came to UNLV anyway. So it wasn't that surprising that he'd get a power five offer once decommitting from UNLV. But this is now what's, what's amazing is, is I think it's three UNLV has had three top 100 commits signed in the last two years and zero, none of them are going to actually play for UNLV. They all decommitted. Well, mm, two of them did. Zion uh, Collins. Okay. Zion Collins. Zion Collins, okay. Uh, didn't quite decommit, but Zion Collins not playing anywhere. Arthur Kaluma, I think he was top 100. I'll have to double check Went to that. Creighton. Went to Creighton, had a great game against Kansas in the NCAA right. tournament, but they lost. And now Kyron Lindsay. They have had three top 100 recruits in the last two recruiting classes, and not, and they've been signed, not just committed and decommitted. Right. They've been, they signed, they signed their, their letter, letter of intent, but a lot of extenuating circumstances have led none of them to actually playing at UNLV. So maybe just don't recruit. Just go get transferred. Just go get portal guys. What do you think? And Reese Brown is in the transfer portal as well, which to me made a lot of sense. Reese Brown was basically the only scholarship player that was healthy. that didn't play very much last year for Kevin Kruger. Basically everybody else had at least a stretch of games where they played significant minutes. Reese Brown, that never happened for Uh, So he's in the transfer portal. This definitely felt like a pretty obvious, you know, coaching staff sort of pushes a guy out, says, hey, you're not going to play here uh, if you want to go explore your options. So Reese Brown can still technically come back. Anybody that goes in the portal can still come back. But Reese Brown's in the portal. So do you have any idea where this puts their roster at? uh, I'd have to count it up. They're pretty close to the the total. total. They might be right at it, but they're pretty close to it. Um, And Reese Brown was an obvious one, I think. So they... I don't know how much more there actually is going to be for UNLV. I think this might be it as far as their roster goes. So we'll see. We'll see how they do. But the roster looks. What 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 phrase should what word should we use to call the roster? I was gonna say solid. Is solid a good word? 
I mean, you followed these guys more than I have in terms of the transfers. I, Solid. I, I, defense? Like, defensively, I mean, they I, project I, to be really good defensively. A ton of question marks offensively. offensively. But I'm I'm convinced. Is solid, is solid too much? I'm convinced solid. they're not going to be bad. Incomplete. But, Incomplete. but they are complete. That, I think that's the problem. Well, they're complete but, number-wise. Right. Yeah, you're, you're right about that. Like, they're, I'm Check. convinced they're not going to be bad. And I'm also convinced they're not going to be Mountain West champions. So they're going to be like the four or the five seed or something, which is solid, right? Yes. Okay. So solid Solid's it is. Fine. Solid. Solid it is. Solid defensively. I can't believe we had a solid... Play there. Good, good job by Jared. I didn't know solid existed. Solid. I, I believe that. that came out of when we used to do gra- Grainy's grades on a more consistent basis. <laughs> out of the idea that uh, so- you would say something like, yeah, "It was a solid B," yeah. and so I had to like, "Okay, well, I don't have a solid B. I just have B." Solid. Coming up next, Ed Grainy grades the NBA playoff. You're sitting in the press box with Grainy and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. <laughs> no Joel Embiid and the Heat beat the Sixers 106-92 yesterday. We're going to talk about DeAndre Jordan, though, who did not play in that series against Toronto. But with Joel Embiid out, DeAndre Jordan got the start. He played 17 minutes, which isn't a big chunk, but in the 17 minutes that he played, the 76ers were outscored by 22 when DeAndre Jordan was on the floor. When DeAndre Jordan was on the bench, Philly actually outscored Miami by eight. So your point is? After the game, <laughs> Doc Rivers, when talking about DeAndre Jordan, said, we like DJ. We're going to keep starting him whether you like it or wow, not. Wow, the media. Is Doc wow. Rivers trying to win the series, or is he trying to like prove the media wrong? Uh, I think he's probably trying to win the series by loving to take shots at media. Maybe this is why Doc's been struggling of late <laughs> in the uh, playoffs because he takes this kind of, these kind of attitudes. Boy, like, twenty-two outscored by twenty-two yeah. in seventeen minutes, which is almost impossible. Right. That's. I mean, when you think of those numbers, so basically. Doc Rivers played a guy that he did not play at all against Toronto. Did not think DeAndre Jordan helped them win a game in that series against Toronto because he didn't put him on the floor. And then turns around and decides, well, I've got to start this guy. And when he gets any criticism for it because it went poorly, he says, I'm still doing it whether you like it or not. Doc doesn't like criticism. He's a non-criticism guy. I mean, he is as sensitive as you get in, in the NBA. Uh, I said yesterday that Philly's chance to win this series was James Harden to be the best player in the series. He wasn't last night. 16 points, 5 or 13 shooting, 9 rebounds, 5 assists. He was most definitely not the best player on the floor yesterday. So I, I, regardless of if DeAndre Jordan's starting or not, they're not winning unless, A, they get Joel Embiid back, and he actually is Joel Embiid, yeah. right? It's not like a 80% of Joel Embiid. Or, B, James Harden is is really good. And he was not really good Neither yesterday. Happened. Now, listen, I'll I'll say this. There is the possibility, if we're assuming Embiid comes back in game three, which is the earliest he can come back, so maybe we shouldn't assume he's back in three, but if he comes back in three and Philadelphia does manage to win game two, it's 1-1, you're going to Philadelphia and have Embiid back. Your, your hope becomes you're in the pretty series. significant. Yeah. Right. Game, game two, probably the most important game of the series. Yeah, right. if they go up 2-0, oh, 
and he's and he's yeah. supposedly back in game three. It's, it's I think probably it's, over. Even with Embiid back at 100, percent it's probably, probably over. over with a two nothing lead. But if it's one one, they'll have a legitimate shot. Because here's here's the thing for Miami. That's I don't I think it's not going to be enough to win a title. But like they didn't have Kyle Lowry yesterday, who was right. one of their top right. four scorers this year. But Tyler Hero had 25, Bam Adebayo had 24, Jimmy Butler had 15, which isn't a lot. But like they had, they have guys that can score even if a Kyle Lowry is out. But like Victor Oladipo, I think he played six, seven games this year for Miami. They got 27 minutes out of him yesterday, and it's not that he was like a massive factor on the offensive end. But like Victor Oladipo was an All Star before his injuries. Like Victor Oladipo is a good player who just has been injured for like two years. He's just here. He is off the bench. They didn't even play Duncan Robinson. I was going to say Duncan Robinson's not hurt, right? No, they didn't even play play him. Like Kyle, one of their significant wings are out in Kyle Lowry. One of the guards on this team are out. They've got a good guard in Duncan Robinson who comes off the bench and they just don't even have to play him. Just nah, we're good. We got this Victor Oladipo guy. You ever heard of him? Yeah, he's going to play 20 something. Have you changed your mind on if they can win the title? I don't think they can. I think they're the third best team in the East right now. And, but one of the two best teams are going to be eliminated. That is correct. And I think coming out of the West, I both, both Phoenix and golden state are better. Miami Memphis would be interesting, but uh, I think they're they're, I think they're the fifth best team left in the postseason when there's eight teams left. I'd put Milwaukee, Boston, Phoenix, and golden state all ahead of Miami right now. So fifth best team in the postseason. Granted, they're not going to win it. Granted, like you said, one of those two are going to be eliminated, so right. they don't have to go through four teams that are better. Both they, got, they got to go through two. They got to beat Philly and then go through Milwaukee, Boston, and then likely one of Phoenix or Golden State. And it's possible, but I just, I don't think it happens. I don't think they win the title. I just don't think they're quite good. At, they, they seem to be a good regular season team because of the depth, but they don't have quite enough to beat a Giannis-led Bucks or a right. Steph Curry. Well. Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Jordan, Jordan Poole, Poole. And if he's not ejected, Draymond uh, Green. Draymond Green. Uh, that seems be to be it, probably. It, d- 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 how many games, though, Jared? If it's Hell, one game, it, uh, the Warriors are still winning. If it's like yeah. three, all right, maybe the Heat win. Well, how many? Isn't he one of those guys that has like a counter on him during the postseason of like, well, he's only got one more technical? <laughs> I don't think he. Well, no, because now they can just give out flagrants. Does that oh, count? Yeah. Tonight? Did they change? Because it used to be if you got so many technicals, you were you done. Suspend, and they, I they think still he do that. actually fell under that one of their championship years. Yes. No, that was why he wasn't there for the LeBron comeback. Well, no, right? he kicked a guy in the nuts. Oh, yeah. well, also, well, that's, yeah, he's done that several times. Got suspended. <laughs> yeah. Which, by the way, Jay Crowder kicked a guy in the, kicked Luca in the nuts last night and went and reviewed it. They gave him a flagrant one. Draymond Green wasn't happy because he got a flagrant right. two for hitting the guy in the for face. For hitting the guy in the face. Okay, but the difference is... is I, I would I would very much like to see just Chris Paul, Draymond Green, one-on-one, who can get as many nut taps in without the refs. <laughs> that's, that's what's happening. Give it like 10 days. We would be game one of them just kicking everybody in the nuts. We're going to have a story somewhere where it's like the first NBA playoff series where everyone wears a, wears a where, cup. Where's a cup? Yep. <laughs> Just it looks like the line during a free kick in yeah. soccer. <laughs> so it's gonna be what's gonna happen there. Uh, the other NBA game from last night, Suns beat the Mavs. Uh, ended up being seven point final score, but that was like a double digit lead for pretty much the entire game for Phoenix. Luca had 45, 12, 12 and, and eight. eight. 
and they weren't particularly close. We've talked about it. I've been like, I'm kind of worried Dallas might not ever actually put enough around Luca that they're going to be a legit contender at some point. But man, is that game the biggest example of Luca's all by himself? And we were saying about Giannis, right? About in that series, do you just let him get his? This must be like that. I would just let Luca go off and yeah. say, well, no one else is going to beat us. If he has 45, but you make sure Jalen Brunson doesn't go for yeah, 32. Exactly. Or, I mean, Maxi Kleber had 19 to be the number Big two Max. scorer because he hit like five or six it's threes or something like that. Still my favorite image of the world of just Steven Adams <laughs> with Trayvon Green's foot in between his legs <laughs> looking at the ground like, uh-oh, this is all bad now. My favorite story from... After round one, though, was from Bleacher Report because Chris Paul set a curfew for his teammates when they were in New Orleans. They played the Pelicans in round one. He obviously played in New Orleans for quite a while. But this it wasn't the coaches. It wasn't like the front office. It wasn't the team. It was Chris Paul. It was Chris Paul told the rest of his teammates, hey, you guys have to be back by a certain time. Don't know what time it was. Could have been like 2 a.m., whatever. But don't know what time it was. But Chris Paul set a curfew, and he reportedly had hotel rooms set up so that he and his teammates could watch other NBA playoff games and play cards. I like it. Taking charge, being a leader. Do Be you, a leader, not a follower. Do you have to listen to Chris Paul? Have to, I'm not sure, but you usually would because like, you don't want to be the one guy. Right, but like if Devin Booker wanted to come in at three instead of two. Right, was like, I'm staying out. I don't think he would, though. I think he would follow along, even though he didn't like it. And we're putting Devin Booker. Maybe Devin Booker was the first one in. We don't know. Well, I'm just using Devin Booker right. he's because he's clearly the other star, he's the star in the on team. the team. Right. Mikhail I, I want to say is... Devin Booker was playing cards. I I, I want to say DeAndre Ayton was already sitting in the room. Chris Paul opened the door, and he was like, hey, Chris, I've been waiting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. But, like, Mikhail Bridges is late. They might have something to say to Mikhail Bridges. But if Devin Booker walks in past Chris Paul's curfew. curfew. Nothing's happening, right? No, Maybe I mean, Chris Paul sitting like, down Devin Booker and being like, come yeah, on, like, What are you going to do? And like, you can have a talk with him. I mean, it's not like you can like <laughs> control his playing time. I just very much enjoy that Chris Paul set this, which yes. seems like a fake rule that you can break. Can, yes, yeah. wouldn't. I don't I think mean, they yeah, would. I, not, think they, I think they'd follow him. I think they'd follow him. If your primary goal is to like be a team that's going to win the championship, sure, you're going to follow Chris Paul's right. weird-ass curfew in New Orleans. But if I'm like, yeah, we're going to beat the Pelicans anyway, it doesn't matter if I'm out <laughs> till 4 a.m., Chris, I'm going to be fine. Who's going to stop me? Brandon Ingram, we worried about him? Then, yeah, it'd be like, whatever, Chris, I'm going out. Is by the way, is New Orleans that like scary of a town that he had to set yeah, a curfew? For the Final Four, it, it, can get pretty, it can get pretty crazy downtown. I mean, is he doing that in Dallas when they go there for games three and four? Well, Dallas does have some establishments. Does well, the White House. Um, <laughs> there you go. Does New Orleans, I thought New Orleans had like the same thing where technically if you were a bar that never closed, but before X, like 3 a.m., before last call, you were grandfathered in and you could stay open all night. Or if you know it was your, you're a pre, if you're a private club, you in can, New Orleans? Yeah, you can yeah, stay open all that. night. I mean, I would say a curfew in New Orleans is a good idea because the last time I was in New Orleans, uh, our waitress invited my friend to a cemetery at midnight. 
Well, there's an offer you can't refuse. Yeah, no, you got to go. You we did go not to go to the cemetery at midnight. Oh, my God. <laughs> even the One of us might have died. Uh, so maybe that's why the curfew was in place. No cemeteries at midnight in New Orleans. Coming up next, <laughs> Charles McDonald joins the show. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. Joining us now is Charles McDonald. You can follow him on Twitter at 4Verts. Check him out at Underdog Fantasy. Charles, what do we need to do to get NFL coaches and GMs to just come out and say, yeah, that other team reached way too early for their draft pick? I don't know, but I wish more people would do it. Like, don't apologize, Sean. We all know what you meant by that. Uh, It's not like when you say you thought he was going to be in a 104 or like you thought he would have a chance to get in a 104. It's not really, you know, an endorsement of the player or the pick at 29. So, you don't have to lie. We're not dumb. Uh, and I, I, I think it'll be better. Like, let's just be honest and know what these guys feel about a variety of subjects. And, uh, we can start with draft stuff and work our way up to, like, actually important stuff, you know? It's really hard to t- say uh, taken out of context on that one. <laughs> that was right, bad. right. I was like, what, what kind of lie is that? We all, we all heard it. You were just drunk, and you thought it was funny. It's fine. Uh, Charles, I want to ask you just about the wide receiver market in the NFL because we've had an interesting offseason where some teams have decided, hey, it is worth it for us to pay Devontae Adams, A.J. Brown, Tyree Kill. One team said that said that to Christian Kirk, too. But you've also had teams that have traded those guys away and have said it's not worth it for us to pay them. We also have a lot more wide receivers going earlier in the top 20 of the draft. Like, are we at a point where we're going to start talking about wide receiver rookie contracts in a similar manner that we talk about quarterback rookie contracts? Uh, yeah. And I think we got here faster than I thought that I, I thought we were going to, I thought maybe we were a couple of years away from this, but uh, <laughs> the Christian Kirk contract, that, that, that kind of changed everything. Uh, I mean, that basically upset the whole balance of five or three year contracts in the NFL because you know, if you're A.J. Brown looking at the Christian Kirk contract, you're like, yeah, well, I definitely need to get more than that. Um, and if you're Marquise Brown even looking at, at the, the uh, Christian Kirk contract, you should be saying, well, shoot, if Christian Kirk got that, that's like what I should be trying to get on my next deal. And if you're the Ravens, you got to say, I, I absolutely cannot pay Hollywood Brown $21 million a year. So uh, I think that, that that's how – you get into these stalemates, and with the 49ers and Dino even, it, it seems like they're just going to hold them hostage until uh, they can try to work something out because, you know, the thing is, <laughs> under the new CBA, uh, these these guys don't really have any leverage to hold out anymore uh, because, I don't know if you guys remember, but somehow the players agreed with the owners to allow um, $50,000 per day, per day time you don't show up to uh, – uh, training camp, so obviously that money adds up really quick. Uh, you, you really can't afford to take like a week off if you're a guy who's not, uh, or even really a couple of days off if you're a guy who hasn't hit your second, uh, you have your second contract yet. So you know the 49ers, they have a whole lot of leverage to kind of control Debo and, and uh, see what he does because at the end of the day, Debo is just not in a position to throw away uh, that kind of money. So you know, I, I think that that's going to be an interesting. Uh, Test case for what happens when a wide receiver and a quarter in a, in a uh, organization bunch heads like this because you know Debo should have won his money and I guess the 49ers have uh, the power to not give him his money. I mean, even last year with uh, the Sean Watson stuff, they eventually just had him sitting out because the holdout was you know ch- 
uh, just taking away from his bank account, and he wasn't going to play anyway. So that was a little bit different. But Udibo, I would be surprised if he would hold out just because of how the new CBA is. Christian Kirk is going to become like a trivia question answer. Like, what dead flat average receiver started all of this? Like, and you're going to have yeah. to go back. Every every time we talk about this, he's like, you know, that Christian Kirk guy. Yeah, Christian Kirk, he's quietly like the Laramie Tunsil trade just created like a whole economy in the NFL on itself. Like, if you just go back and, and look through uh, all the dominoes from that trade. So, yeah, it, it's, uh, it's going to be a fun little footnote in the NFL history when you look back like, holy crap, what the hell are they thinking? What? type of team do you think it makes sense right now to take on that big wide receiver contract versus teams that think, Hey, we can try to find similar production with a first or second round receiver for way cheaper. Uh, I don't know. I think if you're close, I'm, I'm always with the mindset. Like if you think you're close to getting to a Super Bowl, and look, <laughs> I think a lot of different, a lot of teams have different definitions of what I think we're close to. Uh, but if you're close, I, I'm never against just taking a swing and going out and getting that guy. Uh, and like the Rams have shown, like if you do it right and you and you're taking these big swings at positions of value, then hey, you, you know you can go out and win a Super Bowl. You know, trading two first round picks for Jalen Ramsey or two first round picks for Matthew Stafford, uh, that can work for you. So you know, I um, I, I think I think on a whole, it's just going to be interesting to see what the the trades end up looking like in the future because, look, I, I don't know if you guys saw uh, A.J. Brown this weekend, uh, but he, he said that the Titans had basically offered him a deal that was like $16 million based with uh, a max to get to 20 per year. That's There's no way you can sign that if you're A.J. Brown. But also, if you're the Titans, like, I think it's okay for them to feel like, under the current cash structure, it's okay for them to feel like, man, I don't want to pay a wide receiver $25 million a year. You know, that's quarterback. That's like, you know, like, well, I used to be quarterback money. It's not anymore. Uh, that's like cornerback money, pass rushing money, you know, defensive tackle money, lineman money. Uh, I, I guess it's just going to be a way to see where teams uh, lose the priorities in terms of roster building because most teams, and not most teams, but a lot of teams won't be about paying a wide receiver $25 million when they think that need to go for like an edge rusher or a lineman or something like that. Which quarterback do you think that got drafted has a chance to start? Um, this year, uh, Pickett and Ritter, I think, have the best chances. Uh, <laughs> Ritter, uh, because, I mean, yeah. you think Mariota's going to play a full season? I don't. Uh, I, see who the Falcons have blocking? I just, it's it's going to be rough. <laughs> uh, I, 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 don't, I, I don't know. I think Ritter could get him there by mistake. Uh, and then Kenny Pickett, um, you know, Mike Thomas said the other day that he's going to have a chance to compete for the starting job. And, I, you know, if you're a Steelers fan, I think you have to be hoping that even if your quarterback is a rookie, he can beat out Mr. Risky in a quarterback battle. Uh, <laughs> I think that that's a fair expectation to have. And if you're gotten to a place where, you know, Trubisky is beating out a 24-year-old Kenny Pickett or, you know, a 23-year-old Kenny Pickett in practice, uh, it's probably a little bit of a danger sign. So I think that uh, Kenny Pickett, Desmond Ritter, have the best chance to start, and who knows? Honestly, Matt Corral, he's competition Sam Darns. <laughs> he, he could end up starting this thing too. Uh, I think that, that that might not look very pretty. So I guess you know, based on the competition, Ritter, Mary, or Ritter and Corral have a chance to start, and then Pickett with his status as a first round quarterback, he should get the nod over Mitch Trubisky. And if he doesn't, that's a 
a very bad time for chasing, you know, Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield, and the nasty man in your own division. Who is running for their lives more this year, Mariota or Justin Fields? Uh, man, that's tough. Because both those offensive lines are terrible. But, you know, I think it's going to be Justin Fields because the Falcons' offensive line is really bad. Because if you have to look at offensive line as, like, some of your parts, right? So I, I actually think the Falcons have two pretty good starters on the offensive line. Jake Matthews and Chris Lynch. But the problem is the other three guys are, are so bad that it doesn't even matter that you have two quality guys. Uh, and then with, with the, the the Bears, I mean, it's like Cody Whitehair and uh, like that's pretty much it. I don't, <laughs> the rest is, is pretty bad. Like unless, unless Kevin Jenkins, like you still got to hold out hope that maybe he can be somebody at left tackle. I know that last year was, uh, basically, watched for him with all the injuries that he had, but uh, it's a bad situation. I mean, I actually think the Bears got like two quality prospects with Kyler Gordon and Jaquan Brisker. But yeah, if you if you just traded you know first round picks for this guy last year, Justin Fields, and you know to me like there were legitimate moments where he looks like a guy that can start for a decade. And I know like the whole product wasn't clean, but. Yeah, you go back to games against the Vikings and the Steelers, and you see like serious, serious potential to be a long-term starting quarterback. I don't know. Like, you got to give him some more help. Like, why are you walking into the season with Darnell Mooney as your best receiver? He's like a wide receiver three on a great team. Uh, it's just it, it's 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 pretty shaky. Uh, I mean, when you look at the whole situation, uh, Justin Fields is definitely in a worse spot than where the Falcons are because at least the Falcons you got Kyle Pitts and Drake London and Cordell Patterson. Uh, Dude, he doesn't even have that. It's just like David Montgomery, and it's going to be you know that gift from uh, Game of Thrones, the Battle of the Bastards, when Jon Snow is just standing there with the sword as uh, Ramsey's army comes down the hill to get him. That's kind of what Justin Fields is going to be facing every week. Like that, those those games against the Packers, Packers defense against that Bears offense, like they'll be lucky to get past midfield. It's it's, it's pretty bad. Does. Aiden Hutchinson make the Jags look bad for drafting Trevon Walker first overall. Uh, TBD because I I I think this year Aiden is definitely going to be the better player, but there there is a ceiling on Trevon's game that I don't think has been even scratched yet. So you know I think this year you you might see some Jags fans get a little. Or Aiden Hutchinson had you know seven sacks while Trevon had two or or three or four. You know that can be a little frustrating, but at the same time, it's about the long play with Trevon because Trevon, if you if you have a defensive line coach that can just teach him two pass rush moves, I mean just two, with the athleticism and already like the elite level of run defense, you're going to have one of the best defensive linemen in the league. But you know, it just comes down to the age old question. And the Jacksonville Jaguars developed one of their first round picks. Uh, I don't know. We're going to see. <laughs> uh, all right. Before we let you go, Falcons draft recap Drake London in round one. They got Desmond Ritter, too. You happy with that? Did they screw anything up? What'd you think the Falcons draft? Oh, I, I thought they had a great draft. And like, the way that I judge the draft classes is now, like, I don't have enough time to go through and watch, like, 300 draft prospects. So what I do is uh, I'll watch like the first round guys and then watch the guys track after the track. And I remember last year I, I saw that they drafted Richie Grant. So, you know, I got some Richie Grant film. I was like, oof, that's not great. And then uh, I uh, saw they drafted David Mayfield. I got some Michigan tapes. Like, oh, boy, 
we really messed up here. So, uh, you know, last week's draft did not make me feel good. This one makes me feel a lot better. Uh, I think getting Arnold Abicetti trading up because Seattle was going to take him at 40. Uh, I, I think he's a first-round talent based on what he put on film at Penn State. Uh, love Drake London. Uh, I think for a team that's trying to get more physical in the passing game, uh, that makes a lot of sense. And uh, the Troy Anderson pick was where you lost me a little bit because I, I, I saw the combine and uh, you see like the size and the 4-4 speed, but he very much looks like someone who was recently playing quarterback before a switch to linebacker, if you understand what I mean. Like this. In terms of overall tackling skill and physicality, he, he looks like someone who's been uh, – Block four, not block against uh, recently. So I, I think that maybe that's a pick that can be a, uh, an upside pick for you. But hey, when you're a team that's as hopeless as they are in the immediate future, a Troy Anderson pick in the second round isn't the worst in the world. So uh, I was a big fan of, of the draft class. Big fan. Well, he is Charles McDonald. Again, follow him on Twitter at 4 Charles, as we let you go, I'll let you know that uh, ESPN's reporting that the Falcons and Grady Jarrett agreed to a three year extension. Yep, I mean, pretty happy because uh, uh, he was either pony up and pay him or he was going to bounce. And I'm decided they decided decide not to be cheap. Thanks, Charles. We appreciate it. Yeah. So there's Charles McDonald's at Four Verts, my favorite sound on the radio. As always, it's terrific. <laughs> and Ed Grady is gone. Ed yep. is off. Uh, Pete DeBoer, Kelly McCrimmon, and Golden Knights having their end of season, not firing press conference. Uh, so. Ed's gone. It's just me and Jared for the rest of the show. It's the Press Box with Grady and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. I think Draymond Green's right. Other than him saying he was dumb enough to think it wouldn't be a flagrant one. It was like everybody who swiped down at somebody's head and hit them in the head has been given a flagrant one. So should have been a flagrant one, but he got ejected with a flagrant two. Not ideal. Uh, Some a little bit more NFL draft. Uh, as by the way, Ed Graney is gone. For those of you that missed it, he's off to the Golden Knights as they have their end of season press conferences. Uh, but a little bit more on the NFL draft. A couple of former UNLV players. Armani Rogers did not get drafted, unfortunately. Charles Williams did not get drafted either. UNLV still has uh, the longest streak of Division One college football teams to not have a player drafted, dating back to 2010. Joe Hawley was drafted in that draft. So 12 straight drafts without a pick. I That plus the threes. The what? longest. What? That plus threes in a game. Oh, the three-point streak. Uh, yes, UNLV does have two of the longest streaks. Um, UNLV! I'm fascinated by Armani Rogers uh, because he changed positions to tight ends. Uh, can he make a roster in the NFL as a tight end? Tight end is definitely a position you don't have to be drafted in to make a team. Uh, so curious there. You can be a basketball player and half the time you can make it. Charles Williams, I don't have much optimism. He's got to try out with the Steelers, according to Paloma Viacana. I just, Charles Williams isn't like the prototypical NFL running back. He's not a between the tackles, going to pound the ball up the middle a bunch of times in a game. And he also, he did more this past season, but still wasn't a legitimate like pass catching running back. So there's no legitimate like change of pace. Hey, we can put him in there on third downs. Oh, and his pass blocking wasn't like a massive strength either. So it's not like, ah, Charles Williams can make a team as a third down back that goes in when it's third and eight and either picks up a blitzing linebacker or catches a check down and takes it for nine yards. He just didn't do that at UNLV. So I don't know how realistic it is that Charles Williams makes a team as a running back. 
Um, two other notes on the NFL draft. One, did you see that somebody got married at the NFL draft? No, no, I did not. That sounds like the worst wedding possible. Yeah, doesn't seem great. Like, I'm trying to think of what other event you could get married at that would be worse than the NFL draft. And, like, the Golden Knights, I think in year one, they did a marriage at a Golden Knights game where the guy, like, proposed in the first period and the wedding ceremony was in the third period, was in between the second and third periods during the intermission, which I didn't think was great. But I still think that's significantly better than married on stage at the NFL draft. Because, like, who cares about the NFL draft? And the people that are sitting out there aren't even te- fans of, like, your favorite team. They're just random people standing there cheering for the Jags or something stupid like that. NBA draft and then immediately followed what's worse than that. The Major League Baseball okay. draft. Because that's that's not even televised. Well, that's just some dudes in a room. Well, no, I think that would be better. Because it's not televised. It actually, you would be the most memorable part of it. I mean, is it, it's not televised, so it would be the most memorable part for some random scout in yeah. St. Louis going, "Who? Who is? Is he a prospect? Like, what page is he yeah. on?" It'd be. It, I think that would be better because genuine question that I don't know. The people that got married at the NFL draft, did they have any of their own friends and family there? I think you'd have to. You'd have to be like, we're going out as a group. Otherwise, it's just. But the, where were they? I assume in the crowd. Like, that sucks. That's a disaster because it it's a free event or whatever. So it's just what? First come, first serve. And you get made. I can't remember if it was the Saturday or the Sunday. It's not even the first round. But like, you've just got to during round six of the NFL draft, you've got to stand out in Las Vegas in this random parking lot for like six hours to make sure you have a good spot to see your friend get married. That's horrific terrible idea that might be the worst one of all time last thing on the nfl draft according to a tweet from mick Akers, the nfl draft drew, drew 300 000 visitors over three days to las vegas nashville the last time the draft was hosted before covid drew 600 000 fans we got roughly half of what nashville did what makes it bad though vegas was expecting to draw a million visitors Like, the stories leading up to the draft was an expectation of a million visitors. Was to blow Nashville out of the water. We didn't even come close. Like, not even remotely close. And so, it's another uh, pretty good example of all the economic impact numbers that people make up to justify why giving public money for certain events is a good thing. They don't know what they're doing. They're just making up numbers to make themselves look good so that they can get the money to put on the events they want to put on. We're supposed to have a million people here and we had 300,000?